Hey everyone, so I made a mistake on a previous podcast. I uploaded the wrong file to the wrong podcast episode. So uh, on on episode 155, you are hearing what was intended to be episode 156. And you're probably going, why is it that the episode talking about coping and un- and doing ERP with contamination obsessions that can't be disproved, we're talking about gory obsessions. We have nothing, no conversation about contamination uh, or uh, obsessions that can't be disproved. It's because... I made a mistake. Well, I made a mistake, but somebody, somebody most specifically, um, uh, an associate that works with Cal OCD, shout out to Anna Chen, who pointed out to me that the episodes were flipped or not even there or were uploaded twice. Either way, she brought it to my attention, so I am correcting my error. So this will be a remix, a flashback, whatever you want to call it, to episode what should have been episode 155. So I'm going to play the correct episode now so y'all can have this bit of information and this question answered. So again, thank you so much to Anna Chen for pointing it out. So here is episode 155 again for the first time. everybody welcome back to another episode of the fear cast this is the podcast dedicated to ocd and anxiety and anxiety spectrum disorders and getting your life back uh, i'm your host kevin foss i'm a licensed therapist specializing in ocd and anxiety disorders uh, thank you all so much for joining me for today's episode uh, so for those of you who are new to the podcast this is question and answer based format question and answer based show where you the listener get to send me the therapist uh, questions about OCD and anxiety and, and recovery and treatment, uh, how to help a friend, how to help a loved one, um, why your therapist is, is just just so weird. And why is it that the really good therapists or psychologists always have like that cul-de-sac head sort of thing, you know, where it's like they're bald on top, but they kind of have this like halo thing that goes over their ears and in the back of their head, or they have a full beard and the great ones have both. Oh, I don't have an answer for that one. Anyways, so uh, it's question and answer. So if you have a question for the podcast, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com and send a question to me there. You can also send an audio question, which is probably the best and better way to uh, send a question. Uh, just go over to Instagram, and, and I am fearcastpodcast over there. Send me a direct message and press the little microphone button in the in the text box. Uh, record your voice message there, uh, and uh, I will get it. They, it's in minute increments, but just, just keep talking, keep sending different minutes, and, and eventually I'll splice them all together. You can also record it just on your phone. You can email it to me at questions at fearcastpodcast.com or send me a shared Google Drive of it. Anyways, however you can get it to me, get it to me. And I will listen to it, read it, likely put it up on a future episode, which is exactly what's going to happen today. Today, I'm actually going to read a a text question today. Um, I'm saying today a lot today. So that's what's happening. Anyway, so I'm going to read a text question. So I, I, I got this one. I thought this one is, is really interesting, really important. And we, you know what? We don't get a lot of contamination questions right here. We get a lot of ROCD and 
I, I've talked about this before. A lot of ROCD, we get a lot of sensory motor uh, stuff, and uh, and they're very important. They're they're very valid questions. I want as many of them as possible, but we don't get a lot of contamination questions. So I'm really glad that I got one. If you have, uh, you know, it doesn't even matter. Send whatever questions you have. I'm happy to field them because obviously, if you're sending me these questions, they're not getting answered elsewhere. So if those are the questions that need to be answered, I want answer. Anyways, so here we go. Um, I, I guess before I jump into it, I don't think I have really any announcements or anything going on. I just hope everybody is uh, doing well. Uh, this is this episode will release just uh, at on Labor Day. If you're in America, it's Labor Day. Um, for all of you who are in labor, I think it's for mothers in labor, isn't it? Or for people that work, it's a day off for people who work, except for the people who have to work on Labor Day. Anyways, it's a holiday for some reason, um, and it's going to be released on that day. So I hope all of you have had a fantastic Labor Day. If you're outside of the United States, I hope you had just a, a good Monday or, or Tuesday if you're in Australia or thereabouts. So anyhow... Uh, weird, weird day. All right, here we go. This question comes from Jim. Jim says, Hello, Mr. Foss. I suffer from some kind of contamination OCD that revolves around the fear of parasites, especially parasitic worms. I have this idea or obsession that worm infestations are much more common than everybody thinks, even in developed countries, because many of them are almost impossible to detect. And how would you know if you have one or two worms inside of you? I hope I'm wrong with that uh, with that assumption or slash obsession. Since most therapists in my vicinity are available. I'm doing ERP by myself at the moment. For a few days now, or I've been doing it for by myself for a few days now and with some success. However, I'm not sure whether or not it's going to work eventually because in contrast to exposures for obsessions uh, uh, with other illnesses, uh, I won't be able to know or I won't be able to see whether I caught worms or not because of the initial problem of the hard diagnosis for parasites. Maybe all of that doesn't matter and the compulsions and the anxiety will disappear anyways. But maybe you can shed some light on uh, uh, to the question whether you really have to see the result, i.e. not becoming ill, for ERP to be successful and to fight contamination OCD. Uh, thank you so much for your time and work, Jim. So, all right, Jim, thank you so much for sending this one in. I really like this question, not just because it's contamination and talking about worms and contamination is super fun, but... It, it highlights just a commonality for a lot of different obsessions that are out there. There are a lot of obsessions that some of them fall into, you know, kind of the existential ones, the existential kind of camps or obsessional themes. But there are a lot of different obsessions that don't have or kind of won't have a provable or observable or verifiable outcome soon or maybe even ever right like ones i'm thinking of can be things like um you know like big existential ones right maybe we live in a um oh what is it maybe we live in a, a the, the matrix right maybe we're in a simulation maybe none of this is real right how are we going to verify that right i get what you're saying in the sense that 
you know, if, if you're worried about touching something and the fear is getting COVID, I mean, you'll kind of know in a couple of days, right? If you're worried about getting into a plane crash, if you get on that plane, you're going to know within a couple of hours whether or not you're going to get into a plane crash, Right. And I'm, I'm going to say right in the sense that and um, I, I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine about this and she naturally just said, um, yeah, sure, you're going to know in a couple of hours unless none of this is real. Like, great. Yeah, of course. Once you add on to the, you know, the existential component to it, then maybe you're never going to know. Right. So. All right. But, but we have but back to the point. We have kind of these two different kind of mindsets, right? With maybe traditional contamination, it's it's somewhat clear. I touch this thing, I get sick. It's uh, or or I don't get sick, right? So we'll see within a couple hours, and so, and that can for a lot of people be a, a great uh, kind of canary in the coal mine, as it were, or a, a, a great sign to say, or to, to kind of disprove the fear, right? And we start to learn, I can touch this thing, and I don't get sick. It's survivable, right? But what about these things that you're talking about? What happens when the diagnosis of it is really, really hard, if not impossible to tell, right? It's, it's a tricky one. Because a lot of people are then, it, because, all right, what am I trying to say? Situations like this are rife for OCD because there, it's the ultimate gray area. How are you going to know? You're not, you might not know. And when the, in the absence of information, our brain tries to, tries to insert it, it, into that you know, absence, into that gray area, some type of answer. When it boils down to it, for everyone with obsessions, for everyone with OCD, for everyone with anxiety, we're talking about uncertainty and how we live, how do we live with that element of uncertainty and to not know. And that is the trick. If we could bottle dealing with uncertainty, we would probably overcome, we would probably defeat OCD, right? But unfortunately, I don't think they've distilled that just yet. But Hopefully, they're working on it somewhere. So it's uncertainty. We don't know, as you said. A lot of people, you're, you're, I'll point out the first thing, though, is you said you have this idea or obsession. So I'm going to assume you've looked into this, you've looked into statistics, you've read things, um, you've maybe even talked to doctors about this, about the likelihood and the, maybe even the, the prevalence, the real numbers behind diagnosis of, uh, of, of worms or par uh, uh, parasitic worms. However, you ignore that. <laughs> I'm trying to find a fancier way to say that. And it's very reminiscent of that, that ICBT world, right? They're kind of talking about they, that theory or that approach talks about, um, talks about doubt, which is just the absence of information, and then talks about obsessive doubt. The regular doubt is the stuff that we all experience, right? It's just simply not having the information. I don't know what the, the numbers are, what the, the, the diagnosis rates are for parasites. Well, okay, I'll look it up. I'll talk to a doctor. I'll, I'll gather that information. I look it up. I got the information. Now I have the information. I have no more doubt. And then OCD knocks on the door and says, well, but how do we know those numbers are accurate? Or it says, you know, it's really hard to diagnose it. You know, they're probably missing some. 
So the number is probably higher. But how much higher? That's part of the problem. Higher in our brain could be they missed one person, so it's a one person higher globally. But that's not the way our brain works. That's not the way anxiety works. It sounds like your brain is saying it's not just maybe one person, it's, it, it's happening a lot more. So it's increasing the intensity of it, making the worry a lot higher. All right. But now we're, what we're doing is we're, we're giving up on reality. And now we're accepting, yeah, it's possible. We're accepting that possibility. And we're letting our imagination take us into all sorts of places. And when we're already letting go of reality, we're kind of ready and rife and open to accepting anything. I've talked about this example before. Um, the example of, uh, let's say, Lord of the Rings. I might have talked about this recently. Um, to watch Lord of the Rings you have to let go of reality. You have to let go of what is to be expected from reality in order for that movie or that book to make any sense whatsoever. Because when you start watching that movie, you start seeing a lot of crazy or odd or th th odd things that are outside of typical, outside of the norm of what we see here in reality. And then once we're starting to accept more and more of those things, why not just tack on one more thing? All right, so we've got a world where there, you know, there's a magical wizard. Cool. Well, why not also have orcs? Sure, why not? All right, not only that, but we've got a magical ring that affect, infects people with greed, I suppose. Sure, why not? And there's this magical eye that's trying to kill everybody. Sure, why not? Now, we just keep getting further and further from reality. And in that world, we can just get wrapped up. And this is what anxiety does. It separates you from reality and says, why not all these things? Why not parasites? Why not things worse than parasites? Whatever that might be. So you're letting go of reality and starting to grab onto fantasy, which is just anything other than reality. Okay, so... We were talking about uncertainty. I was yammering on about uncertainty. There's going to have to be this level of uncertainty within the process of ERP. At the core of ERP, that's what we're trying to face, is we're doing the thing, it, which, doing the thing that raises anxiety, that lets you step into uncertainty, while resisting compulsions, which is the thing that you would do to get certainty or to try to eliminate that sense of uncertainty, right? So... Let's say you do the exposure, right? The exposure might be, uh, the exposure is, I don't know, touch a doorknob, right? Okay, the response prevention is we're going to pull back on washing our hands. Washing your hands would give us certainty that you're not going to get infected. We're going to resist avoidance. Now, obviously, you've touched it, so you're not avoiding. But by doing that, by pulling back on the uh, uh, compulsion of avoidance, Avoidance would help you to not feel that sense of anxiety or not feel that that uncertainty and not face that fear, but you're doing it. Anyways, so you kind of get this idea, but we're stepping into uncertainty. Now, long story short, to answer your question, no. You don't have to, quote, see the result in order to overcome OCD and for ERP to, to be successful. In fact... It can be successful because you haven't seen the result. 
And that's your job is to say, I might not get a result and I'm going to sit with the uncertainty over the answer of it. And the uncertainty and the anxiety and the feeling and experience of not knowing is your target feeling. What can you do to sit with or to, to conjure up, to antagonize, to bring on that sense of, I don't know, I might have it. I might. Might does not mean yes. Might does not mean no. It just says I'm in this limbo state and I might have a parasite. And embracing that feeling, sitting in that feeling as much as you can and pulling back on anything that would reduce that. Pulling back on anything that would try to give you, you know, one sense of security one way or the other. Not trying to minimize that feeling. Not trying to undo that feeling. Instead to say, I feel uncertain about this. Because it is a natural and expected uncertainty. You don't know. And you don't know until you know. But as you said, you may never know. So we don't know. And that's the feeling to sit with. Now, however you can find that feeling is going to be effective. Now, maybe it's for you, it's going to be continuing to live life, just living life. And maybe your brain is going to reflect on things that you've done, places you've gone, or just, you know, or just things that you've, people you've interacted with. And it might try to say, maybe it was that, maybe it was that event that, that got me one. Maybe it's because of this thing that, I ha- that I'm infected. We're going to say, yeah, maybe. Maybe it is that. And keep moving on with life. So maybe it is. But tough. I'll find out when I find out. But until I find out, I'm not going to know. And I'm going to live life and not know. Now, that is more of a kind of... Um, it's just this it's this kind of middle ground approach. Maybe I have one. All right, maybe I do, and I'm just going to go live my life. Go to work, go have relationships, uh, uh, go to school, whatever it is that you're doing, and not know. And we're going to leave that up to future you, future you's problem. When you find out, well, then you'll know. But until then, you don't know. But not knowing doesn't mean you have one, and not knowing doesn't mean you don't have one. It's just the reality that you don't know. There are a lot of things that we don't know, but your brain is hyper-focused on this. All right, so we are, we've seen the man behind the curtain. This is the thing that you have to focus on. So this is the place where you are going to put your acceptance of that feeling of uncertainty that surrounds this thought. Okay. So you can antagonize that even a little bit. And in the course of living life, when that thought arises, you could even push it a little bit further and say, yeah, I'm, I, I, I probably do have one. Yeah, and I'm, I'm probably going to get really sick from it. Yep, that's probably what my life looks like now. Now, that is going to kind of push it into the confirmation. But what that's going to do is also amp up that feeling. Yeah, it is going to feel uncomfortable to say that, but feeling that feeling doesn't then mean you have one. But again, it doesn't mean that you don't have one. All it is is this, you're embracing a thought that you do have one. It's kind of like you and I can embrace thoughts about winning the lottery or being able to fly, and we typically say those are fine, but those are imagination too. This is embracing and sitting with a, quote, imagined thought that is an uncertainty about the future. 
Except right now your brain is responding to it with fear and anxiety as if that this is a thought that needs to be feared because the thought is not the same as the thing. Having the thought about parasitic worms is not the same as having worms. I know I'm just spinning out in circles. So some things that you can do if you are already doing this, you can write scripts. I think scripts would be fantastic for you in this time. Scripts of, of saying that you have caught a worm and then what your life looks like because of it. And everything that you do to try to get rid of them, nothing happens and you keep getting more and more and more and more and more infected. Or you write a script that you spend all of your time checking whether or not you have them. You go to doctor after doctor after doctor and they can't find anything and you worry about it every single day and your life is taken from you because you're so worried about worms and 90 years from now, you're on your deathbed and your last thought before you die is, gosh, I hope I don't have worms. And that would be your script. And that would probably be uncomfortable, right? And then you would reread and reread that script over and over and over again until you get bored with it, until you would rather have worms than keep reading that. You can post pictures of worms all over your place, right? Print them out, get them somewhere, post them up all over the place. It's going to feel uncomfortable. And eventually, you're going to get used to seeing them and thinking about them to the point where you'll go, yeah, yeah, worms, whatever, and you shift. Now, again, to your question, do you need to see the result, in other words, not becoming ill, or see a result, not becoming ill, for the ERP, ERP to be successful? No. Your job, ERP is successful when you step into the feeling, really embrace it as a possibility, Feel the anxiety and let it pass without engaging with compulsions. That feeling and anxiety is always going to pass. It always will, because it always has. It's successful when you step into it and you don't do compulsions. That's it. It's not, it's not successful when you don't get them. It's not successful when you do get them. That's outside of this. ERP is about the feeling, exposure to the experience, and holding back on compulsions. So there are a lot of programs that you can do. I'm sorry that where you are, there isn't a therapist that you can find to work with you, but there's a ton of resources. Now is the best time to have OCD. I know everyone's going to disagree with me on that, but the amount of good information that's out there is, is, is wild. Um, I, I was just going through uh, Nathan Peterson's um, uh, program. Um, he has one over at his website. It's uh, ocd-anxiety.com. I believe so. Um, but you can go check his program out over there. Um, and it's, it's great. Nathan does a great job with his videos. Uh, just you can find him online, but going through his going through his program, just kind of step by step of what ERP is, what OCD is, uh, different treatments, and then he walks you through exposures, how to build your hierarchy, what to do in the middle of exposures. He has exercises that you can do. Go check it out. Um, I think it costs a little bit. I don't know what it costs, but you can um, check it out over there. Um, I know that Kimberly Quinlan has a program. Um, there there are a bunch of other programs that are going to be out there that are wonderful. So go check those out. And um, uh, hopefully that can be helpful in terms of, of moving you forward a little bit. Um, let's see what other resources I think that's kind of it. So 
I'll also open this up to everybody else. If there's something that I missed within this question, it feels like uh, uh, Jim could use this. Uh, Jim could, Jim, I, I missed something and maybe there's something else that could be added to this. Go send me uh, a message over at fearcastpodcast.com or uh, send me a message over at Instagram, fearcastpodcast uh, over there. Um, but again, how do you? How can you, Jim, and or anybody else out there with, who has this, who has an anxiety about something that can't be proven or verified or is even verifiable in in, in this life? It's embracing and sitting with I don't I don't know, and it's the reality of not knowing and the inability to not know and saying that's okay not knowing and uncertainty is a is a natural and normal part of life we're not going to know and i'm not going to know about this and also i'm going to treat it as if that's okay it is okay that i don't know but what i but what i do know is i'm going to go to class what I do know is i'm going to i'm going to watch this movie or i'm going to call my boyfriend or girlfriend and we're going to go hang out and, and that's the stuff that you can redirect your focus to in the midst of not knowing and accepting the reality that you may never know, but that's okay. And you're going to treat it as if that is okay. Not by saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. We show ourselves it's okay by letting go of the rumination, the checking, uh, uh, the, the, the active milling it about, the rumination about it. So, all right, Jim, I'm going to let this question go as well. Uh, thank you so much for this question. I hope this was helpful even a little bit. Um, if you have any follow-ups or if somebody has any follow-up questions, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com. You can send me, uh, send me a message over there. Please remember, everybody, that the FearCast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in your recovery, go over to purecastpodcast.com and send me a message. Uh, or, excuse me, ugh, messing up my messages. Go over to, go over to purecastpodcast.com, uh, click on the Find Help link, and it's going to be a little bit of stuff for you there. So, everyone, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.